0: Today, I'm Walt Keeson. With me today, the man who is thoughts become things, Neo Positivity. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And Neo is back from the trade show wars at the highest vibe level you can possibly reach after being in the trade show wars. Like, you've been killing it, guy. All the reports you're you're passing along saying, you're killing it.
1: It's, it's, it's become a thing. <laughs> it has.
2: How many have you it's done it in the last me. month?
1: I mean, no, I did, I did their dental conferences and I did one in, um, feb one in February and one in March. When, when it just, okay. it just seems like it's a lot more because of the impact, Yeah. um, that I'm having on the dental world and that it's having on me and, uh, I'm all for it.
0: Let's do it. Who who would have predicted that the dental world would be where you make your entree? But, man, you have really penetrated that world. You know what?
1: I said that a couple times, and everybody said the same thing. They said, with that smile, of course you're (laughs) (laughs) right. I said, all right, I'm going to stop saying that, you know. (laughs) But, yeah, you know, they had the highest suicide and depression rate Mm -hmm. of any profession. I believe psychiatry has taken uh number one, which means I'm doing my job. You yeah. Know, I, I went in there to make a to make a statement and uh to change the the, the statistic. And um, you know, I like to think that I played a, a big a major role in that.
0: That's a great statistic to change too. So yeah. Congratulations on the success you've been experiencing. And man, I'm looking forward to hearing what the future reports are going to be. It's gonna be exciting.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And uh speaking of transitioning, we actually have a career transition expert joining us today. Her name is Gina Riley. Uh, she's the creator of the Career Velocity System, which we're going to learn more about in just a moment. But Gina, hi. How are you doing? Welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here. It, um, I'm tuning in from Portland, Oregon, and we're a little bit sunny for a moment. So, like Wow.
0: To- Hooray. That's kind of unusual for the Northwest. So. Oh good. yeah, we
3: were sleeting this morning. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Especially wow. this time of year. Right. So how'd you get started doing all this stuff? This is kind of cool.
3: Uh, career, career transition coaching. Um, it's been an evolution. Um, and, uh, I mean, the bottom line is I'm an HR professional that's worked with, uh, you know, people across the gambit doing uh, recruitment and staffing and uh, I've worked in corporate. I've also done executive search. I do interview skills training, and it's really culminated into me seeing and observing people who um, have struggled to tell their stories in interview situations. So I created something that addresses all the moving parts to career transition
2: success.
0: This is going to be an interesting conversation from my perspective, uh, Neil, because Mm -hmm. uh, a little while back, we had a guest on who was an expert at doing resumes, and she was a resume coach. So we're now going to see the other side of that whole process. What happens when the resume actually gets sent through? How is it perceived? How are the people coming through perceived? And uh, I, I know, Gina, that ties in directly to what you're doing to help people because regardless of whether you're trying to just find a new job in your current career or change careers, you're dealing with a, a completely new way of connecting that didn't exist 30 years ago, but now it's like it's controlling the entire, it's driving the whole bus, really.
3: Right. I mean, really, I've got the before and the after, the resume piece. Um, mm-hmm. The resume is step uh, six of my nine-step model. Okay.
2: <laughs> so
3: it, it's actually in the middle because you have to think of it this way. Um, A lot of people are experiencing layoffs today, right? Mm. And for the, for the people that are more mature, who have been maybe at their company for 15 years, 20 years, and they're now poking their heads up and looking around, the first piece of advice that they get, if they're, if they're lucky enough to get an outplacement package is you need to go network. Mm. Well, what happens if you haven't built up your stories yet? You haven't sharpened your tool. You don't have the messaging ready. You're not sure what your brand even stands for. So, so what I'm doing with people is I'm, I'm spending three to four weeks building up those stories. Who are you? What's your unique value proposition? What problems do you solve? When we work through that first, then we're, we're, I actually have three different companies I partner with that do professional resume development. And for those that do it well, it's a 15 to 20 hour project. It's huge. So my clients get a chance to work with someone who I trust while I work on the LinkedIn profile. We do job search strategy. We start doing interview prep. Mm. um, All of those other pieces that surround the resume.
0: And you also know what it's like from the corporate side, too, because your career has been, like you said, in HR. So you saw what came through. Is is, is it really as bad as I imagine it is?
3: You know, the role of a recruiter is a, it's a special role and, and recruiters because most people don't understand what they do and who Mm. they serve. That misunderstanding leads to a lot of bad, bad vibes Mm. towards them. The bottom line is, and I'm actually in the middle of writing an article that I'm going to publish in May, and it describes the three different recruitment models and, and what those recruiters do and who they serve. Here's the, here's like the, the bottom line on what recruiters do they work for the people paying them to go to market and find the right kinds of candidates that match an opportunity that's open
2: mm. so it
3: doesn't matter if it's a corporate recruiter a contingent recruiter executive search there is a misnomer by many candidates that um if i if i can find some good recruiters i want to work with them well, you're not working with a recruiter. They're, they're being paid somewhere else. So my, my, the article that I'm shaping up is really talking about how that misnomer, it, it's really not a recruiter that you're looking for. You might be looking for an agent because mm. if you're going to pay someone, are they working for you? Yes. If you're part of a candidate pipeline and you're being interviewed, the recruiter's not working for you. That's not their no. job.
2: Mm -hmm. And that does
0: precede the internet era. I mean, that's been true for decades, for a long, long time.
3: Absolutely. And and so understanding who a recruiter serves and what their job is can allow a candidate to show up better, sharpen their stories, Mm -hmm. and make the right kinds of connections rather than making assumptions that everyone out there, every recruiter is working for them.
0: It's not all that different, actually, from, say, the real estate industry. Because people who are going to buy a house tend to think, well, you know, the real estate agent is going to be working on their behalf. But no, he's actually working on behalf of the seller, not of the buyer.
3: Well, there are buyers and sellers agents. So There are buyer agents, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if you're working, what's really great is if you can work with someone who is only working on your behalf, helping to find that house and be the conduit to the deal. But remember, you're paying them now to help you negotiate the deal. That's the thing. If you're a candidate going through a, a normal typical candidate pipeline, then, you know, you're on your own negotiating that deal. I, I haven't really seen an effective model where you're paying someone to be an agent because you have to imagine any agent like in a sports analogy or metaphor. An agent is going to be paid some percentage of that talent's salary. Mm-hmm. And there's this limited pool that the agent even has access to. So let's take baseball, because my husband's a big baseball yeah. fan. So let's say there's 30 teams. It's their job to know all the, all 30 teams and how to kind of get their people
2: mm-hmm.
3: a look, we'll say. But what kind of a person knows every company out there and every job available?
0: <laughs> yeah, that pretty much answers the question just by asking it, actually. <laughs>
3: Suddenly it makes sense, but I've seen a lot of angry people who, who assume that a, a recruiter is like somehow, um, out there working through the niches to find that one person a job, but that one person isn't paying them. So the, their allegiance is where they're going to get paid from. And that's mm-hmm. whoever has the opening and the company that pays them, whether they're in-house or whether they're an executive search firm you owe it to the people paying you to do the best job possible. And that's to find the right match, not to just try to find someone a job.
0: Right. And, and by the way, it's also uh, an important link to have. I mean, yes, that we have to know who's, who's paying them, but you want to go through a professional like that. I, I'm thinking you use a sports analogy. I won't name the uh, sports personality, but there's, there's somebody who's actually going through something that has some public profile to it right now. His mom is his agent. And it it has actually caused him all kinds of issues, um, in what he's dealing with. Not just the negotiation directly, of, you know, what his next contract is going to be, but it has caused other issues as well, simply because she's not a professional agent.
3: Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Yeah, that that sounds very dicey. Well, <laughs> the, you know, the, the other thing is, I I have had people approach me, um, and ask me about my career coaching, but they're looking for that agent model, and so typically the investment in something like that is going to be some kind of percentage of their salary. So it's going to cost them a lot, lot, lot more, but then how many people are they working with and how hard are they working for you? And do you have a guarantee once you pay them Mm. to have a successful
2: outcome? So
0: we've just laid out, We've just laid out just how complex this whole process is. And it's supposed to be simple. I, mean, I
2: just want to change yeah, jobs. I want to I'm get a like- better career.
3: <laughs> exactly. But, you know, what I truly believe is if if we can own our stories and we know what we want to target and then we start networking effectively to gather information, we can own the process for ourselves. That's what it's all about. Do you really want to hand off that process to someone who doesn't know you very well?
1: I want to ask you. What percentage of your clients are looking to switch jobs versus they just got fired or laid off? Uh, Because it's two different dynamics. Wanting to switch your job is like, you know, trying to leave a relationship. Grass is greener. There's all kind of stuff going on in your head versus if you get fired, that part is done. (laughs) And now it's time to move forward. And it's a whole new set of stresses like finances. How much money I got saved up.
3: Oh,
2: yeah. Um, Oh, yeah.
1: What's the over-under and which one's tougher?
0: <laughs> the over-under.
2: Um, gonna, you okay. got to
3: place
0: a bet on it.
2: <laughs> okay. yes. You
3: ask a lot of nuances there, so let me address what's tougher first. Okay. Um, it is more challenging for someone who has been laid off to start the process from scratch yeah. because they feel dogged down. Usually there is that you, you need to go through your own transition management Um, I I recommend William Bridges' transition management books for that. It's not a big, hard read. But you need to mourn the loss and accept it, similar to as if you lost a loved one. You have to go through the trough of despair and experience the grief. Because when you come up to your new beginning, you need to be ready to interview and not carry that baggage on your back. That's going to show up. So if you've been laid off. And you haven't been preparing your brand, your messages, your unique value proposition, your sharp tool, you know, and you're, and you're immediately going, oh, I got to fix my resume. But you don't even have that. It's a very confronting, dark place to be. So that's tough. And I do have some of those people that get laid. I had one woman who was vetting me one day and literally that day just had gotten laid off. And she's oh, like, I can't talk to you today. Let me talk to you <laughs> tomorrow. I'm like, totally fine there's, but there's two other kinds of people that are hiring me. Um, I have people that are like, I want to, I want to leave my current job. I've been at this company a long time, or it's not the right fit. And they come from a place of like, they can kind of just do a study as, as they go, um, and work through the process with the comfort that they have that paycheck. It is hard to do sometimes when you're usually, these are mature adults. They have children and then they have job responsibilities, and I'm mostly more working with leaders, so they have a lot of responsibility. So they have to find the time. But interestingly, in the last six months, I have had a lot of people hire me to move up. Hmm. So, yes, and they have done it. I had one one person um, at a very large global company get a top spot on the executive team. I've had other people who um, a new layer of management was being developed, and so I I helped them write their own job description and pitch it. And then they won that next layer of management role, and they decided not to leave. Um, I had another woman who was positioning to move up from GM to VP at her role. Three months in, they laid off five or 600 people, 12 were vice presidents. She was one of them. We were already well on our way for job search strategy. She was ready to go. So it's very interesting. There's all these people with unique stories that, you know, we all have something to tell. We all have our journey. It's a matter of like how you embrace what's happening to you and where you want to go and getting yourself ready to have those conversations.
0: As happens so often, the the best advice in this topic, as well as almost every other topic tied to life, is get a coach. <laughs> we all need a coach. How do you so so that leads to a very plain you no know, uh peanut butter and jelly type question. How do you pick a coach?
2: Oh gosh.
3: Um so I think that one one thing to consider is can you see that they're working with people similar to you? Can and can you see what those successes might be? So testimonials is a good way to go. So if it's not just generic, you know, um, if they've been in business for a long time, you know, that might be a good indicator. Um, and then looking at what I call social proof, go look and see if they've published things on the topic. You know, are they, do they have a presence digitally? That's your breadcrumb trail. Just like as any professional, I can go out and look at someone's digital breadcrumb trail and see how legit they are. Same as vetting a coach.
0: Okay, all right. So, the, so coaching comes down to the breadcrumb trail. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it does. Sounds like. I mean, well,
3: you know, and and be, I would say the onus is on you, the the job seeker, to think about what are the deep questions that you need to have answered before you choose your coach. Too. Uh, what what okay. are those questions?
1: Gotta know yourself. Gotta know yourself. I'm still intrigued by the, I guess, percentage of people that are on the fence about leaving. Because yeah. it's like grass is greener situation and we have yeah. a million stories about that. And that's tough for you because if they, after six months, if they're like, no, I'm going to stay. Cause they're just too chicken. Then you're like, what the hell did you hire me for? Uh,
3: <laughs> um, I have had a small handful hire me to position to leave and, and then didn't do it. And you have to realize in the last couple of years we've had the pandemic. Mm. So you've got, You know, the uncertainty in the market, the difficulty. Now, think of it this way, a triangle. If I'm working with senior leaders, there's less jobs at the top two target. So we're talking about some of it's, you know, surgical. They're trying to to find where their needle in someone else's haystack is going to fit. They're doing it while they hold a job. And it's challenging financial, economic and and pandemic times. So, you know, I get to the year mark, and that's where my my contract stops. Um, but they know if they've been trying <laughs> or not, right? And, I, and, I, and I've set them up for success. They've had job search strategy. They know how to do interview prep because I teach them how to do it.
1: Speaking of teaching and the title of the show, where's the law of attraction play into all this? <laughs> where, where are you inserting it? How did you learn about it to, you know, to give us some, some LOA today?
3: <laughs> I was so intrigued when I, um, when I came across your podcast because it's just so full of like this intersection of um, empowerment and positivity, you know, and we need to get grounded in ourselves before we can expect other people to feel attracted to us. So what we put out there is what we get back. And uh, that's why I talked about like if you get laid off, you've got to deal with that grief. You've got to deal with the emotions, and you should probably build a support system so that you have that safe space, so you're not carrying that into conversations. Um, but that's what I love about this podcast is it, it is about that positivity, and the, a lot of the topics you cover is how do you get that empowerment?
1: Yeah. As you know, what speaking of support, so I'm gonna do a little bit of plugging. Right here, because I, I revamped my website and I came up with this accountability partner section where, you know, like if me and Walt were accountability partners once a day, we check in. Hey, have you done mental check ins? What affirmation are you doing? But every now and then I might miss a day. Walt might miss a day. We might miss a week. So I got a group of people that way, at least every day, somebody's going to say something. Your alert goes off. You either get to it or you get to it tomorrow. Um, so that's that's a great thing. And just a little side plug, Walt, you're going to love this. Um, They do it a lot in dental, a lot in medical. They have morning huddles. Oh, really? Where in the morning, they might have like a 10-minute huddle, 15-minute huddle, where they get the group together every morning and get them like, just like a football team, get them on the same page, and they leave that huddle feeling better, some kind of uplifting thing. So for those dentists or doctors or executives that aren't super great at coming up with that next topic, or they're not really great speakers after they get to their touch points about what needs to be done to boost the stats or whatever, if they're not really good at boosting morale, then they would play one of my morning huddle videos. So I have a huddle series now um, that Gina, you could feel free to pump out to all your executives.
2: <laughs> awesome.
3: I mean, there's nothing yeah. like great thought leadership to galvanize people.
2: That's awesome. You gotta, get,
1: you gotta get them on the same page. If you're, if I, the huddles weren't around that I knew of when I was in the work world. And I think it's absolutely fascinating that people, that leaders are taking this effort mm-hmm. to do it every morning. Like that's just freaking amazing. Uh, and I see it becoming something big, a standard practice in, in, in all companies. So why not have some kind of motivational speaker, some kind of motivation come in, even if it's not mine and just pep things up real quick at the end of the meeting.
2: Totally.
1: Like that's that's the best thing I could think of. And that's why I created the series. But yeah, it's the future. Definitely. You gotta set the tone. Set the tone. You set the tone for the day when you wake up. You set the tone for the game in sports with the first play. Same thing with the work day.
0: It's been over 20 years since I've been in corporate and I'm amazed just looking from the outside in just how much corporate mindset has shifted in that 20 year period it had I mean, it's, to. it's it's real it, well, it did have to, yes, but nevertheless, it did I mean, how many times have we talked about how you know corporations they're always the same thing, they always do the same kind of you know fill in the the blank with whatever your complaint is, well, yeah. they've shifted on this, they've shifted in a big big way i it's it's actually pretty impressive results yeah, results made them shift
1: more money in their pockets oh uh, yeah which which spans from happier personnel. Mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than people and your employees that are beefing there's nothing worse, it's just a recipe for disaster, the energy's low even if they don't even talk to each other, the energy's low yeah, so they they had to adjust and I'm glad they did, I'm glad the world is kind of shifting into a, a brighter light, slowly but surely
0: and you know, I don't know if you saw it in the uh, last stream, we got a, a number of comments there one of them came from John who said even a solopreneur can hold daily huddles yeah
1: I mean, I do it every day i do it every single day um and my huddles are are like a hype fest (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just like a football game i leave my huddle running on the field feeling like i'm (laughs) on cloud nine um and that's how i start every day and i couldn't i can't even imagine doing it any other way and i would never go back to the way i used to do things which was just waking up and going now there's intention You know, I set my intentions and then I get myself in the right vibe. Like when I say I run out of my room, I basically do the first three steps. And it's just like, whoa, yeah, like the house is empty. So I could say and do whatever I want. I could scream. The dogs are looking at me funny, but guess that (laughs) it's reflecting in everything that I do. So I'm going to keep doing it.
0: Hey, it pays off. I mean, look what you've been producing. Look what you've been attracting. So Um, it definitely pays off. Do you, you know what? I want to ask both of you this. Um,
1: It's a a touchy subject, talking out loud to yourself. I was going to see if either of you suggest that other people do that. Because if you notice, if you were ever putting something together that was difficult or trying to figure something out, no matter who's there, you're like, wait, all right, if I go here and turn left, all right. You say it out loud, and nobody looks at you like you're crazy. But that's where you get clarity. That's where you block everything else out, as opposed to just saying it in your mind. So I'm a huge fan of of saying things out loud and talking to yourself, not just to feel things out. Of course I talk to myself a lot because I got four hour, uh, you know, um, work sessions, you know, that I have to workshops. I got four hour Mm -hmm. workshops that I got to rehearse. So I spend a lot of time talking to myself anyway, but I mean, legit conversations, figuring things out. Is this something that you both encourage other people to do?
0: I can't say I encourage it mainly because in my own life, I don't have a lot of it where there are other people around an awful lot of what I do. I, I'm in that sense, I'm solopreneur because I'm the only one in the room. Okay. So I can't say I've had opportunity to suggest to other people, you know, talk it out because it's <laughs> just not a part of the conversation. There's not been a conversation to have in that way. You
1: encourage <laughs> it from yourself. Solopreneur. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. I mean, I, I, well, I don't know if I encourage it. I let's put it this way. I don't feel resistance to do it. So, Sometimes I just figure stuff out in my head. Sometimes I'm talking it out. Sometimes I'm screaming at the walls. I mean, it just depends on where I'm at.
1: <laughs> what about you, Gina? I'm an advocate. Do it out I there. talk
3: to myself all of the time. Um, and it's usually having to do with my focus. I'm thinking, what do I need to do right now? What's most important? Those are the things. That's the tape that's running through my head. Um, but what I will say is, you know, talking to yourself and, and saying things out loud helps you with focus, but it helps you with your confidence. And so there's these parts of like career transition where like you're going to have to interview with a lot of different people. Well, practicing some of your storytelling out loud, super important, whether or not you're just recording your own self or you can get a buddy or a coach or whatever. Um, that's another thing. But uh, another um, place where you can practice to get confidence is like the salary negotiation piece. So one of my friends wrote a book called Pay Up. It's by Kate Dixon, and she is a um, salary negotiation coach. Incredible book. And she recommends you've got to say it out loud because when you get into the situation where you're trying to swing for the fences, you don't want to stumble and feel a lack of confidence. You want to say, this is what I need.
1: Mm-hmm. How
3: can we get there?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say some uh- I'm, I'm one of the best speakers I know and that's just me. So I it's just confidence. I love that. But I had family over once and I had totally, I had decided to totally revamp a speech that I was given that weekend and start from scratch. And it was, it was the most amazing speech. And I went over it in my head over and over and over again, but I didn't do it out loud because it was only right on the other side of the door. Uh, you know, and I was, I was cutting up, man. I got in that room, and I was not me. And it was, in, and I one hundred percent believe it's because I had never said the speech out out loud, not God, even God, on God. the plane ride on the Uber there, because there was people around. So there is a lot of validity to saying it out loud before you get in that situation. Oh. So you got to.
3: Yeah, but you kind of need the muscle memory. Yes. You need to be able to like, okay, I've seen this, and I can feel it, and you get your tempo. I've done. To disrupt HR talks, which is I don't know if you're familiar with the format, you get in front of a live audience, you only have twenty slides, they flip automatically um every fifteen seconds, and you have to have your presentation down yeah. and so the amount of memorizing so that you can get up in front and not draw a total blank is is so vital to success
1: and and when you say it out loud. You hear things that you didn't hear in your mind, (laughs) things that you want to tweak. Maybe I shouldn't say it like that. Maybe I should change the way I worded that. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of speaking out loud, specifically to yourself. Uh, get it done, everybody. Norm, where I'm from, when you see somebody walking to walk down the street talking to themselves, you call the cops on them.
3: (laughs) You're not crazy. crazy. Oh, no. I'm not
1: suggesting you do that, but there's this beautiful thing. It's on the wall. There's this beautiful thing called near peace. If you put it in your ear, you could take your walk and talk to yourself the whole time and no one will know.
3: I love that idea because I did not do that. <laughs> I <laughs>
1: was walking
3: around the neighborhood with my my note cards.
1: <laughs> I I do it on my golf cart every day. And now people in my neighborhood see this live stream, they're going to be like, he ain't on the phone. But yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> you know, it takes away any degree of shame <laughs> that might be the dark cloud hanging over you while you're trying to be inspired and give this I love it. By. Yeah, got to find That's
0: ways bad. to do it, man. I, I'm curious about something else too. Now, the, I don't know. There may not be much overlap here because of just the, the the market that you're working with. I, on the surface, does not look like it's going to be tied to what I'm going to talk about here. Um Because I'm going to be talking for a moment about service workers. They typically don't go to to coaches. But I'm just curious. What's been touted as the Great Resignation where people in the service industry were leaving the service industry because they were feeling unappreciated and the pandemic was kind of, you know, it was exacerbating and make it really clear to them just how underappreciated they were and you know yada yada um so they were leaving for other fields so or they were they were holding out for better pay or they were just going home and so forth. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious to know did that touch your field at all? You know, was, was there any overlap going on there like uh, did service workers, were, were some of them people who are reaching out to you because they did want to take a step up? Or was the fact that service workers were doing this impacting um, executives in, in their career paths in some way? I'm just curious if there's some sort of connection going on there.
3: Yeah, I, I would say that, um, with the people I'm working with, I'm not, I'm not necessarily having, um, that target find right. me. Um, and a lot of times, what I would imagine people are going through is their own life and self-assessment. Um, I have family members in the service industry who are mature and they, you know, they're assessing what they want to do, like finishing that degree
2: mm. and then
3: maybe positioning for something very different after 30 years doing something yeah. in the service industry, for example. Um, but they're not necessarily finding me, but there are so many resources out there that are free, Um, Books, there's websites with really inexpensive content where people can be putting together some of their stories and, you know, getting ready to position. But you asked about senior leaders, you know, how does that impact them? Our, our leaders all around the world have gone through incredible stress trying to just manage their, their workforce. Yeah. They're accountable to a board and, and shareholders and stakeholders. Now you, we can say that part of our stakeholders are our employees. Um, but I think that, um, you know, when you're the CEO, it's the loneliest job and you're just trying to, like, make sure that you can cross your quarterly finish lines. Um, And so with the uh enhanced, um you know, work in diversity, equity and inclusion, workplace culture and belonging, there is a lot of work to be done to bridge the gap that we have between what senior leaders are trying you know, tasked to do, mm. and the growing, you know, um, movement toward that culture and belonging piece. I think the answer is investing in our people, people leadership, people who are experts in people, leadership development, you know, and programming that help pull together, you know, all of those aspects in order to have a healthy workplace, which you know, to to the point made earlier, it will then enhance company outcomes. Mm-hmm. We've got to bridge that gap.
0: How does it affect the executive who is either looking for a sideways move or an upward move?
3: Um, the churn and, and and such going on. Um, a, a lot of our the senior leaders I work with end up being very burnt out and tired um, mm. because they're having to to respond. They're trying to run the business or organization and concurrently respond to things they haven't had to in the past. Yeah. So they're exhausted and, and they're trying to kind of keep it together. Mm-hmm. So, and their job is a tough job and we can all say they're paid well to do it, but the, these are unprecedented times. Um, and I don't think most of these leaders ever conceived that they would be working as hard as they are just to keep you know, everybody in their seat.
0: It's not just the executives either. I I I'm a, a small business owner and, and manager. And uh I, I was directly impacted because my business it's a gardening service maintenance business and so huh. we're all service workers. And one one of the biggest impacts was what was happening with the wage inflation. Just yeah. trying to figure out, okay, where are wages now? Because it's not like you can go to the local store and say, Oh, so what's the current price on labor right now? It doesn't work that way. You have to kind of, you know, feel your way through and you're talking to people and people, you know, it's the usual, um, communication or lack thereof that, that, that plays out in these kinds of scenarios. So, I mean, everybody, you know, from, from the largest corporations down to the, the, to the smallest enterprise is being affected by it.
3: Yep. Absolutely. Did
1: Did you take a hit during COVID or did things grow for your business?
3: Um, I would say it was steady. Absolutely steady. Um, I operate in a, um, a very low volume, high touch model. So I'm not, you know, churning people in and out. I'm working with people intimately for many, many months. So there's, there's only so much, there's only one of me and there's only so much capacity and there's plenty of people that, you know, need help. <laughs>
2: so,
3: <laughs> so it, you know, I feel like I am I work in a space where there's always going to be some leader or an executive in a transition that's going to find their way to me.
1: I got so many clients that I stopped taking one-on-one clients. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I've been retired. I don't know if you know my story. I used to be a police officer in New, Jer- in New Jersey. Um, and when I was 28, I learned about the law of attraction. And eight months later, I retired. So that was 14 years ago. And I was, I found myself saying, I didn't retire so that I can work 40 hours a week,
2: Mm.
1: you know, and, and doing what I was doing, introducing people to the law of attraction. That got annoying too. Like every day giving the same speech over and over and over again. So that's when I niched down and I was like, all right, I only do, I only want to deal with people who already know about the law of attraction. So we can start Mm. advanced mental exercises and mind shifting techniques. But then that just got me to be too much. So within a couple months, I was like, eh, no more. I'm done. Let me just do some podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that turned into podcasting, which turned into live streams and summits. Um, but yeah, I, it's crazy. I, I know so many people that hope COVID devastated their lives. And then I know a whole half of other people that it just boosted everything about their business. Sure. Just, it was the way it came in like a storm. It was just crazy.
3: There's some um, there's a lot of people that were definitely caught unaware. Um mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it was challenging.
0: Yeah, well it was challenging. anytime that you're going through a, a period of disruption, there's going to be growth associated with it. Which is nice just a nice polite way of saying that growth is painful.
3: Growth is painful. That's why I mm-hmm. kinda go back to the transition management sort of conversation, which is, you know, we you know if we Recognize that we will, life is full of twists and turns that we, we can't, we, we can navigate them, but we can't anticipate all of them. So how, how do we want to respond to it? Positively. <laughs> yes, we can, right? And sometimes we yeah. have to kind of respond. Sometimes the initial response though, isn't positive. Mm. I mean, that's the truth. It's there, there is a visceral reaction. I, you know, I get laid off. I'm
2: Angry.
3: (laughs) I'm scared. Yes. You know what?
1: I I have this saying that I created. I say, no matter what you ask for in life, you will be shown, if not proven, that you cannot have it. (laughs) And how you respond to that emotionally, mentally determines if and when you get it. So for me, when I ask the universe for something and a door slams, Mm -hmm. this is a tennis match. I asked for something. I served it. The door slammed. The ball got hit back to me. I'm happy now. Mm -hmm. So when doors close for me, (laughs) all right, ball's in my court now. This is part of the process. I needed that to happen to get to the next step and the next step for for me to get that. Mm -hmm. So I actually take incidents like that and emails like that. And I'm just I'm like, all right, this is what's up. How am I going to handle it? Like a champion. I don't care what that email said. To me, it said the life is good and you got exactly what you wanted. And I actually just like play make make believe and pretend that everything went amazing. And then my phone rings and that problem is taken care of.
3: And And you know what that's called?
1: This is crazy.
3: That is called information. You get the information back that you need to make a different or better choice.
1: Boom. Just don't let it get to you mentally. When a door slams, when you get laid off. When your spouse breaks up with you, when you get in a car accident or break your leg, it's leading to something better. As long as you let it lead to something better. If you see it, it's getting worse. Like they say, shit rolls downhill. If you see it, it's getting worse, compounding. And that's what's exactly going to happen. So I don't suggest anyone do that. <laughs> Take it like a champ. Don't run to Facebook and complain about it. Take it like a champ.
0: And find a way to turn it around, too. Yes.
1: That, I mean it's, you, it's a lot easier if
0: you if you can turn it around, it's a lot easier to take it. If you can't if you aren't turning it around, all you're doing is just being faced with this this bombardment of negativity that's coming your way.
1: And that's hard to do. To yeah. sit there and take getting punched in the face like Rocky Balboa,
0: right. that's hard to do. But
1: if you see it differently, you know, and, and and like if you want a new spouse, that first one has to go. If you want a new house and job, that first one has to go. <laughs> It does, and and it, it sucks, but that's life. This is true.
0: Yeah. I like going to a slightly different direction here. Um, something that it, it, it concerns me. It's concerned me for quite some time. It concerned me back when I was working corporate, yeah. and and I I think it's actually gotten bigger and a little bit more problematic as time has gone on. But I'm kind of curious to know what your take is, Gina, because you this is this is going to be a piece of what you deal with if, with every one of your clients. Um, it's a piece of what you've been dealing with in, in the HR industry as a whole for, for many years, I'm sure. Um, and I'm going to generically call it uh, authority or um, accreditation or credentials.
2: Mm.
0: Um, you, you mentioned earlier, for instance, somebody, a service worker maybe wants to go back to school to get a degree to pursue some new things. So it's getting a credential to do that. The, and, and the concern that I have is... I. I have this, I've had this for a long time. I've had this back when I was in in the corporate world. I would, you know, I I would be uh, asked by a manager to interview a new client, I'm sorry, a new prospective employee um, and and the employee would have, you know, know, miles and miles of credentials and they wouldn't have the faintest clue what they were actually doing. And it it, it really got to me. People were getting credentials because they had the ability to take an exam and they, they weren't actually good at what it was that their credentials said they were good at. And so you end up with the uh, the Peter Principle playing out over and over and over again. Um And, and now I'm again I'm sitting outside looking at at the uh, the corporate world. But as I look at that corporate world, I just see credentials going nuts. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I I ask myself that there's got to be ways that that's actually causing issues. I don't know what they are. I'm not in that world, but I just have this strong sense that this heavy reliance on, on credentials is actually causing problems, but I don't know what your take is on that. So I'm kind of curious when, when you think about that particular question, do you see an issue going out with credentials?
3: That's a really great question. I think it depends on what the credential is for and have you had a chance to apply it and what is the purpose of requiring a, cr- a credential? Cause let's say, let's take a college degree. Um, I, I think that we're heading in a direction where college degrees are not necessarily going to be required for a number of jobs out there in the future. I'll just say loosely. Mm-hmm. There's one thing that we know is that if a person does complete a degree, that they at least have the stick to to finish up something. Mm-hmm. So we know that they went through some kind of a learning process to get from point A to point B and had to navigate whatever those challenges were. Well, someone who chooses not to go the college path may have navigated very interesting waters as well and has incredible problem-solving abilities and skills that they've developed while that college student was doing their thing. So, I mean, there's a reason for credentials and sometimes it's can you finish? Can you finish what you start? Now, there's certain kinds of credentials that give us some base um, information that helps us apply that on the job. If I'm an operations leader, for example, and I go, I, I have a Lean Six Sigma certification, well, I'm going to come with some base textbook knowledge. Have I gotten a chance to apply it along the way? Did I do an internship along the way? Did I get, you know, did I interact with people using the certification? All of that is what makes our credentials more, they're rich and applicable.
1: Okay. So with, you, with your credentials, you could see, all right, they did six months in the field versus someone who did three years. Yeah, that's I,
3: good. I think we have to look at if we're going to evaluate candidates for a job opportunity, we need to ask them questions about their skill level, not just the check the box. Do you have a degree or a certain credential? I've had people, you know, when they were vetting me, and they're like, "Well, are you? I think it's ICF certified. It's the International Coaching Federation. It's a it's a very specific program. It costs a lot." You go through it. You put in a certain number of hours. Well, I don't have that. What do I have? I've got a master's degree in whole systems design um, and my entire, you know, most of my career has been consulting with people, helping people communicate better, etc. So do you need the ICF certification? Is that going to be a requirement before you hire me? Or can you read the tea leaves and see the rest of the results and go, okay, you know what you're doing? Same thing with all of these other kinds of certifications. Does a person have the skills to do the job that you're trying to hire them to do?
0: And and that actually is starting to touch on the part that I'm concerned about because we do live in the computerized age. And these days, most companies are processing job applications of various kinds through an automated program that that just checked to see, is that certification there? If not, okay, we reject that one. So, 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 where's the communication going on that says, you know, let's let's evaluate this guy to see or this woman to see if they really do have the skills, even though they don't have the
3: credential? Yeah. So, it's extremely. This is such a difficult topic. Um, But I was working with a a person who was an IT leader, and he's similar in age to me. Grew up during the, the the time frame where there were a lot of people in their garages playing with computers and learning how to do them, and he went into the workforce. He did not complete a college degree, became a leader. Then he wanted a position to get even higher for more responsibility. And then as he was applying to jobs outside of his current company, where he was running into a roadblock for whatever reason, when he would apply and it would go through an ATS database, human beings put in the search fields a minimum requirement, meaning a bachelor's, right? I mean, that's normal. Why do we do it? Well, let's say I put a job out there for a director of IT, and I get 500 applications. Mm -hmm. How am I going to go through 500 applications? Well, I'm going to start by a minimum requirement. Maybe it's the degree. So what did this man do? Networked incredibly, earned his way into an IT leadership role at another company, moved to a location he wanted to move to, and since came back to work with me and positioned for a VP job, Which we prepared him for, still no degree, earned the VP job and competed against four people internally to land that job. The degree did not matter because he had the skills and competencies and the ability to communicate it. But people who don't have those minimum requirements put into a search engine by a human being will have to network into their opportunities and explain how they're skilled.
0: That's really the the heart of it, right there. I think you just nailed it beautifully. Um, because if you don't have the credential you have to network there's no other way to do it i, yeah. I look at i mean i back in the day I, I was kind of fortunate when i came out of school well mm-hmm. the unfortunate part is i came out of school during the, the greatest inflationary phase that the country had ever experienced um so there were no jobs available in that sense the good thing that happened was i it this is at the very 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 beginning of the personal computer age and i actually turned out to have a, an ability to just Absorb it. I, I mean, I had no studying. I, I didn't go to school for it, but I got a computer and it made sense to me. So I put it on my resume and nobody else knew how to use computers. So because of that confluence of events, all I had to do was put it on the resume. People say, hire him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was, there was, there was no credential needed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if I had tried to do that today, I, I couldn't get a job.
3: No, you'd have to network, and you have yeah. to build up the know, like, and trust factor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to get people to like you in some way to advocate or boost you into a process. Exactly. And you cannot assume that spray and pray your resume out there will work. It will most likely not. Right. And that's, that's when you apply, 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 and, and you tell everyone, oh, I'm working so hard to get a job. But what you're doing is you're just... Shooting out your resume, not customized, and then you pray someone will call you. By the time you get that phone call, are you ready to even explain how you will fit?
2: Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Now,
3: I mean, I ran a search one time. It was uh, for a COO, chief, chief operating officer position, and we had a very wide funnel. We we could have we could have taken someone from healthcare, but maybe some something industry adjacent. So we didn't put healthcare as an absolute requirement initially. <laughs> 800 resumes later and like the first application is from like a manufacturing leader from another com- country, like so completely different than what we had actually put in the marketplace. So you have to remember, recruiters are trying to have trying to discern and go through and re- skim hundreds of resumes when we have people who aren't even remotely qualified and they're mm-hmm. pre- they're, they're praying we're going to call them. But it makes no sense. It would be a huge mm-hmm. of our
2: time.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's where the networking piece becomes really, really critical. And sure. it, and that ties in to something that I've talked about in general here quite a bit, which is your your two main um criteria that determine your success in anything in life are number one, how self confident you are, how much self love, self esteem you have, and number two, what are your social connections or in this case business connections. But in other words, mm-hmm. where are you connected to? Who are you connected to? What kind of relationships have you built up and so forth. Now just because you've built up a good network of relationships does not necessarily mean you have done the networking you need to do in order to get a job, but at least you have a foundation to work with at that point.
3: Absolutely. Um, networking is a, a, a lifelong thing that people should be doing. I call it the ABCs of networking. I borrowed that from someone else who said it, which is always be connecting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, and the, stu- the, studies, the studies just show over and over again just how huge a factor that is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, meet yep. really cool. new people
1: does something to you. It just, it really does. Um, I wanted to ask you. I oh my goodness, I have not been in a job interview. Well, I became a cop when I was twenty, so I haven't been in a job interview since then because that yeah. definitely wasn't an interview. Uh, that was just us all sitting in a room getting yelled at. is um, literally
2: how fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right.
1: <laughs> So I learned this late, but, um, they, some, I seen it in some show. They said, you know, before you walk out of an interview, uh, you always ask, is there anything that I said that, you know, would keep me from getting this position? Just in case there was any misunderstanding, I could clear it oh. up. Now. Um, and so that's, that sounds like a great one. Uh, anything that you specifically make sure you tell your clients when they're going in?
3: Going in, what do I tell them when they go into an interview process? Yeah,
1: like some, some tip that they can, that would really make them stand out in that interview.
3: Oh gosh. Um, the executives that I see successful in the interview process spend way more time doing their homework and preparing to answer the questions that tie to the job description than they do in the interview process itself. So, you know, it's hours of like looking up the company, looking at the strategy, listening to investor reports. Um, looking at articles that have been written about the company, looking at positive press, negative press, and starting to formulate a picture about what it is that they could do then to add value to that company and their mission and where they're heading. So it's all about the homework. And then when I'm working with people, we dissect all those bullet points about what they say they want that person to do. And we're creating what we call SOAR stories. Some people call them star, par, car, but it's What is the situation? What are the obstacles I've overcome? What are the actions and results related to those bullet points so that they can show up with this repository of stories? So they're building up five to 10 stories that they can flexibly pull out to explain their skills. It's all about whether or not you get a chance to talk about your skills and not like just the likability factor. Like, hey, where do you golf or whatever? It's if you don't get down to how you can help them, then you're not talking about the right things in the interview process.
0: Isn't interesting concept? how often? it not interesting how often storytelling comes into any conversation? Here's another ex- conversation where it's coming in in a big way. You have to be ready to tell a story, and we're and we human beings. Let's be perfectly honest. Most human beings are not good at telling stories.
3: Yeah, and that's why it's nice to have this framework because my folks are like taking all those bullet points and dissecting it out. And then they can, like we were talking about earlier, they can actually practice it out loud.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
3: And you, and then you can step it back and go, Oh my goodness, that was too long. That was super inarticulate. I wasn't succinct. You got to hear yourself. And if you're not sharp, I mean, the whole goal in my mind is how many stories can you pack into one interview, one interview conversation? You know, you, if you're talking about one thing for 20 minutes,
1: Man.
3: You're in the danger zone, right? You need
1: to speak out loud more at home by yourself. That's what
2: you need. Yes, sir.
3: That is right. Um, And, and, you know, the first question you get asked is, tell me about yourself. So I've had executives do the tell me about yourself in a one-hour conversation for 20 minutes. Wow. That's not very good reading the room. Hey, we have 60 minutes. I have eight questions to ask you. Give me five on tell me about yourself. Just give Mm -hmm. me a quick, quick hit. Twenty minutes later, now we're going to get into what two, three questions. Now mm-hmm. I'm not going to learn about your skills.
1: Yeah, That's now very Gina, important. Gina has a. Uh, is it a packet that you get on your website?
3: I have a free webinar. Top okay. of GinaRileyConsulting.com, green button. You you download um, a two part webinar. Why do you need a career transition plan? And what are the moving parts to the career transition plan? Check your spam folder and there's a workbook that you'll get and you can actually print it and like start to work out the the missing pieces that you might have or flush those out. So you can get yourself prepared to make an effective career transition.
1: And correct me if I'm wrong. If someone currently doesn't have a career, they would still benefit from this. A lot of the principles.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, I think that this workbook gives you all of the things that you should be thinking about, you know, to help you with any kind of transition. So um, I can imagine my sons who are in college, they could use it for themselves. It's, it's all about starting with you, the person. Do you know your strengths? Can you articulate them? Do you know what your values are? How does it relate to the career transition you're trying to make? What are your key skills and competencies? Can you tell me your unique value proposition? These are the questions in the workbook. If you're if you're thinking no, no, oh gosh, that's too long of a story. This workbook will help you think about what you need to go focus on right now.
0: Okay. Let me ask a, a, a one final question for you to address and then we're going to uh, do some uh, some wrap up. But the the question is a forward thinking question. I want you to look say, I don't know, 5 to 10 years into the future, maybe 20 years into the future. Uh-huh. Um, I'll let you I'll let you pick the range, the exact range, but uh, the the idea is You know where we're at right now. You've been describing to some degree where we're at right now um, as a society, as an economy, as a a, a corporate culture and so forth. Where do you see the big shifts coming up over the next three, five, 10, 20 years?
3: Ooh, that's a very big question for the end. (laughs) The big shifts. Um, I'm not really sure how to answer that. Just in a quick nutshell, Uh, (laughs) I would say... AI is going to play some kind of role in how we make our, you know, career transitions. And we still don't know what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And I think that for now, if people are like using AI to do some of their positioning and branding and storytelling, that right now it's very, um, plastic. It's just very, you're not getting. You're not flushing out the human piece of you, so I would be careful about that. But what I would say is we always, I mean, I can't imagine a time we don't need to have an articulate, succinct story to tell other people to explain how we add value. So if, if I could take the opposite end of your question and say, mm-hmm. you still need to always do that, no matter what the trends are.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, that's fair, because that's true. That's been going on since long before the internet for generations. That's been... The ongoing story. We just kind of talk about it a little bit differently today from, say, you know, 100 years ago or 50 years ago, but it's the same basic idea. It's developing yourself and how do you prepare yourself uh, to present who you are? That's the whole thing.
3: Exactly, and that's I, I, my fundamental belief is if we can communicate and we can be understood, it helps us, um, you know, in our life, helps us with our, our relationships, it helps us um, through a career transition process.
1: I just want to touch on something I don't think we really even mentioned. Uh, following your heart in this career transition, following your heart, looking for what you love and then pursuing that, that is going to play a huge impact on the rest of your life versus going into a job that pays a lot of money that you hate. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure you find out what you do. I asked, I've asked over probably 2000 people, what do you love to do? Well, what, what do you love to do so much that you would do it for free for 40 hours a week? And no one can have it. No, I, out of all the people I've answered, I think maybe three or four people have answered. And I'm pretty sure two of them were kids. So, <laughs>
2: everybody's
1: like, I don't know. And then I'll, look, I'll ask them six months later, and you know what they'll say? I haven't even thought about it. That was the problem last time I asked you. It never crossed your mind. Mm. So... Yeah.
0: <laughs> Look what comes in.
2: Uh-huh.
1: He's always on time. He's like, it's 5 o'clock, Dad. He has no watch. <laughs> <be in> the- <laughs> uh,
2: hey, buddy. Go ahead.
1: Buddy. The Close the door I got over. two, but mine are <laughs> early 20s. Oh, no,
3: I'll be in the-
1: <laughs> he- Gina, he knows when it's 5 o'clock. He's better than an alarm clock. He's better than an alarm clock. He does.
2: Yeah, it's pretty
0: cool. A couple of things I got to bring out here. First of all, Gina, um, thank you for joining us. Thank you sure. for sharing. It. This has been great. Um, tell us again how they, that people can find you and, uh, your, your practice.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, com. I'm on LinkedIn all of the time. I make posts on there three to five times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to connect, please send a personalized connection request and say, you heard us here.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Um, otherwise we get a lot of spam and sales calls. So I'm going to, I bet every single person that I, I say yes to, I look. Um, and then the third thing is I write once a month for industry expert magazine, Ooh. which is a, a, an amazing free uh, magazine where a lot of us, there's like 12 to 15 contributors Writing on all kinds of different topics and mine are on career transitions and executive career transition in particular. So you can go find uh, articles that I've written there all about career transition.
1: Do you guys have someone writing about mental health?
3: That is a great question. What send me a connection request. We'll take that one offline and I'll, 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 I'll hook you up with the right people.
2: All
0: right. And then, uh, you mentioned earlier the career transition plan, which is a, a, a giveaway basically on your website. And yeah. people have been using that. You, you mentioned to us before we even got started here that, uh, I think you even mentioned it during the show that p- people come, they take them and they send you notes saying, thank you very much. That was great. And you never hear from them again.
3: <laughs> it's true. I mean, hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people have downloaded it and, but a tiny fraction end up asking me for a strategy call. Sure. Cause at the end, I say, if you're not ready to invest in yourself, this is a big commitment. If they if they come mm. on with me, I mean, we're texting buddies and we're on Zoom for a year. So mm-hmm. um, it's not for the faint of heart. What I've built is right. something that's very substantial. But you can still, this is my gift to the world. Is like that workbook is a great starting point.
0: Well, that's where I want to finish up on because like so many givers, and you're definitely a giver, um, You have put stuff out there, not just through the workbook, but in the podcast you do and the articles and so forth. And you, there are many people that you've never met, that you've never seen, you'll never will meet, you never I'll will never see, know. who have benefited from that. And I think it's important to recognize that. So thank
2: on you. behalf
0: of all those people you've never met and you've never seen, that you never will meet, you never will see, who are receiving and gaining and benefiting from what you're putting out, thank you for what you've been doing, what you're continuing ah. to do. Thank
3: you. That's very sweet. <laughs> I think it's important.
0: I, I think we tend to skip over it so easily in this world of, of massive content output. We forget that there's work that goes behind it. There's thought, there's knowledge, there's expertise and people are benefiting from it. And the, the purpose for them who puts it out, they, they never really see that. So a little thank you here or there. Thank
2: you. It's a good but idea.
3: I, um, It's not often that I get to hear it. Um, I recently had a, a COO in my network who um, used? I, I did a five-part series on how do you prepare for a COO transition, mm-hmm. and he, he's in—he's going to be in transition soon. And he said, "Hey, I used your five-part series to help me get this job." I'm like, oh, "Nice, great, yeah."
0: <laughs> that you get those little those little feelings every once in a while that, that tells you, "Yeah, it actually did pay oh, off. It actually good. did help."
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So we also try to give you some from the people you didn't hear from. So hopefully that helps too. But thank you again for joining us. This has been really, really great. And we really appreciate your time and, and effort and yeah, thank you. And congratulations with what you're doing and best thank of you luck it. as you're continuing to do it.
3: Thanks for having me. Thanks. Great to meet both of you.
0: We love this. Thank wonderful. you very much. Thank you to our people in the live stream. Thank you. We had some great comments coming through in the live stream and thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA today. Goodbye, everybody.